Welcome to C3 Wellington. We're a community on a mission to live, love and lead like Jesus. For more information about C3 Wellington and to find out about upcoming events and services, visit our website c3wellington.com. We're so glad you're joining us for this message. We pray it impacts you today. I'm so excited. I'm so pumped. We've got good friends in the house here to support us this morning. Thank you very much for coming out and supporting us, Bex and I, in our church. You know who you are. We love you. Thank you. And to our amazing team who put this all together, can we give them a huge round of applause? It's not a small feat, as you can imagine, to turn a town hall into this. But how good does it look? Really, really good, and I am stoked. I am stoked. Bex and I are absolutely stoked. And hey, this is an absolute miracle step for us as a church to jump into this venue. God has made the way for us, and who knows that it's always a big step. And God is, He sometimes gives you small steps, but every now and then He asks you to take a big step. Anyone can relate to the big step that God asks, and here we are taking this big step. And I just thank you from the bottom of my heart, on behalf of Bex and I, that you've come with us on this journey into this venue because you know it's more than just a venue this is not just a new venue for us as a church this is a new season this is a new day God is pouring new wine into a new wine skin for C3 Wellington who believes that this morning so I'm so excited for what God is going to do in this venue but through you I'm so excited what God is going to do through you and through me and through all of us in this next season as He looks to pour Himself out. Because who knows that God likes to use us as vessels to pour His presence out. Amen. This morning, the message that I've God's laid on my heart is a message entitled Thirst. Thirst. And uh, you know that one of the one of the, the very first message that Jesus preached. He said this, and you'll find it in Matthew 5, verse 6. He said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. They shall be satisfied. Can I give you some facts about water? Do you know that 68% of the earth's fresh water is trapped in glaciers? There's a fact. Did you know that 30% of the earth's water is trapped underground in the earth? Here's one that me and uh, my boys love. A jellyfish and a cucumber are 95% water. God's got a great sense of humour. How can we make it all just water but still be something? Let's take out the backbone. What else don't we need? And then we're left with a jellyfish, you know, it's like. And I don't know about those cucumbers, man. They dominate sandwiches. I'm not a cucumber fan. Don't put cucumbers in my burger. All I'm going to taste is cucumbers. In fact, I I had on my ultra marathon, I ran a 100K ultra marathon at about 60, 70K. I decided to eat some watermelon. And it was the worst mistake I ever made because I burped. Who knows that skin flavour? You know the skin flavour of cucumber. I burped that thing up for the last 30Ks of my marathon and it sucked. And watermelon and cucumbers, they're together. Those things, they're the same thing. Man, that flavour. But you know, 95% 95% water, how can it be so how can it be so powerful of a flavor? It's all in the skin, the, the other 5%, right? You know, the average New Zealand family uses 400,000 liters of water a year. Do you know and just are consumed by women collecting water for their family? Every day, 200 million hours are spent collecting water. Do you know that 40 billion hours are spent collecting water every year in Africa alone? 
40 billion hours. And do you know that one third of what we spend on bottled water in one year would solve all of the water shortages around the world? That's a crazy fact, isn't it? No, I'm not here on behalf of World Vision or Tear Fund, but these are crazy statistics. I love this one. Do you know that water can dissolve more substances than any other solution, than any other liquid? Water can dissolve more than anything else. It's amazing what water can do. Did you know that your brain is 70% water? That's why you get a headache when you're dehydrated. Your brain needs more water. It's made up of water. Anyone holler at that? Just have a glass of water, people. Seriously, it's a great medication. Do you know that you can survive more than 40 days without food? Jesus proved this, didn't he? I'm sure there have been others since him that have proved it too. You can survive more than 40 days without food, but you can only survive three to five days without water. Outside of oxygen, I'm not sure if there's another substance or mineral or material or something that you need to survive more than water. Isn't that crazy? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. If we're going to be thirsty people here today, come on, you turn to your neighbour and say, hey, I'm thirsty. Come on, you turn to your other neighbour and say, you look thirsty. <laughs> and although this is the opposite of hydration, we are putting on coffee today. So make sure after the service, you go and get a free coffee or you can drink coffee. That'll sure dehydrate. You'll need more water after that. But I believe we're all thirsty. Beyond our physical thirst, we have a spiritual thirst. The question is a longing deep within us for something to satisfy. The question is, what is the thing that we're looking for or leaning to to satisfy us? The thing about physical thirst is that it's my problem to solve. You can't solve my physical thirst problem outside of giving me some water. But if you're hydrated and I'm dehydrated, it doesn't matter how hydrated you are, I'm going to stay dehydrated unless I get some water in me. It's, it's a simple biology, yeah? I know this again from running races and you see people, they tap out. The first thing that makes them go and the reason they start to cramp up is because they're, they are dehydrated and it shuts them down faster than anything. You can push through a lot on a run, but as soon as you get behind on your hydration, you're pretty well stuffed. It's very hard to come back from that. And it slows you down to a walk, to a crawl, and most people do what we call a DNF, do not finish. Because it doesn't matter how hydrated I am running next to them, I can't give them what's in me physically. But you know I can spiritually. Said, And he says this in John 7 verses 37 to 38, he says this, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I love this. I love how the thirsty, when they come to Jesus, they become a river. 
Man, don't we need some rivers today flowing out of our hearts? The people around you, all of a sudden, you've got something flowing out of you that can start to touch people around you. You can make a difference in the spiritual environment of someone's life, no matter how dry they are. Jesus, when you come to Him, He doesn't just top you up. He pours something through you. You become a drink for other people. And that's what we're called to be. Can I get an amen on that? He says this, He says, hey, Are you thirsty? Come to me. Don't go to that thing. What do we run to? What do we run to for that satisfaction in our lives? Don't go to that thing. Instead, come to me and drink. Oh, to drink in the presence of the Lord, man. If there's one thing above all things that you can prioritise in your life, it's carving out a place to drink Him in. And not only will you be satisfied, you will overflow. Out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. The thirsty become a river. And we see this in a story in John 4, the woman at the well. I'm going to give you the recap of the story and we're going to pull a few points from this before we are going to close today. And it says, so here's the story. And it's in, you'll find the story in John 4. But Jesus is with his disciples. And they, uh, it's, it's crazy kind of thing because it says that his popularity had got so big that he was baptizing more people than John the Baptist. And I love how it says actually Jesus wasn't the one baptizing, but his disciples were. Just so that people weren't like, oh, man, I got baptized by Jesus. Man, I only got done by Peter. Ah, look at me. You know, so, you know, Jesus is smart. He's a good leader. He's a smart leader. Okay, I'm not going to baptise people. Let's not create that kind of division. <laughs> you know, but, but, but many people were starting to follow him. There's a multitude of people were following him. And so Jesus, when he heard this news, immediately he left the area. Isn't this countercultural to what we know today? Aren't we trying to build the crowd? Aren't we trying to pull the bigger crowd? Isn't that, isn't that what we find is success? In 2018, pull the crowd. Not according to Jesus. He just carried on doing what the Father asked him to do. And so he leaves this area and he says that he had to go through Samaria. Now, I don't have time to unpack the historical hatred and animosity between Samarians and Jews, but you just got to know that it was there. In fact, Jews did not talk to Samaritans. They hated Samaritans because they were half-breeds, Jews. They were mixed with uh, other religions in the area and they did not like them. They despised them. And so they were separate from one another, yet both trying to worship the Lord or worship God. It's an interesting dynamic, melting pot. Don't you love the fact that Jesus steps right through prejudice? Jesus steps right through hatred and racism and He steps right in there and He sees the person. And man, Jesus pulls these things down. We need a little bit more Jesus in 2018, don't we? And so anyway, so He says, I have to go through Samaria. And so one, it's one thing for a Jew to speak to a Samaritan. It's a whole other thing for a Jewish man to speak to a Samaritan woman. Now we're really crossing over some cultural no-nos, but yet here we go. So Jesus and his disciples, they head into Samaria and it says that it was the afternoon and Jesus was tired. Again, I love the fact that Jesus gets tired. I mean, I don't know what you think about Jesus, but you know, Jesus, when he took on flesh, he took on all of the struggles that we take on. 
He understands hunger and thirst. He understands tiredness. He understands temptation. He understands everything that you're walking through and that I'm walking through. He understands. And so therefore we have ourselves a Lord and Saviour that can relate. That's not far off. but goes, I know, I get it. I understand it. I've been through it. I get it. Isn't that a wonderful thing? But he's tired and he, he sits down at this well and he sends his boys off to get Maccas. And I love the fact that he sends his boys off and I mean, like, Jesus just sets this stuff up, you know. Like, he's on one hand, he's tired, and he's, like, human. But on the other hand, he's, like, Jesus and he's God. And he, like, sets this whole thing up. You guys go away. Oh, right as a time as a Samaritan woman starts walking to the well. And so in, this, in comes a, a dialogue between Jesus and this woman. And Jesus says to the woman who came out to the well in, mid, in the afternoon, which is an interesting fact because you didn't normally get water in the afternoon. There'd be a reason why you'd come out in the afternoon and not in the morning with all the other ladies. There's a reason for that. So Jesus starts this conversation with a Samaritan woman. And he says to her, woman, get me a drink. <laughs> and he, she's like, how come you're talking to me, man? You're like a Jew, aren't you? And he's like, and he's just like, I'll tell you what. I'll read it to you. John 4, verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Huh. Living water. And, uh, and so it goes on in John 4, verse 13 to 15. It says, Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said, Sir, give me this water. Said, I know, so I'll not be thirsty. I'll have to come here to draw water again. Jesus is saying that there's water that's going to be able to top you up beyond the point of thirst. He's not talking about physical thirst right now, is he? Because who knows, no matter how much of Jesus you get, you're still going to have physical thirst. I'm still going to have physical thirst. But there is something that this woman needed far beyond a bucket of water from the well that Jesus perceived and understood. Jesus came to give us something far greater than just our felt needs and satisfying our felt needs. He came to give us a spiritual transformation. This is an crazy thing that a Samaritan woman is about to discover something that only one person ever got told face to face outside of his disciples. And you find this in John 4, 25 and 26. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is the Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speaks to you am He. The only time in Scripture outside of a demonic, a, a demon or to His disciples did He say to someone, I am the Christ. To the Samaritan woman. This crazy transaction he says to her, go and bring me your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And he goes, that's right, you don't, because you've had five husbands. And now the man you're with is not even your, your husband. And she's like, oh, I love this. I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know, and then she tries the old diversion tactics, you know. Starts getting into theology. Tries to move away from a heart condition to a head theology. Tries to move away from a, God's wanting to, Jesus is wanting to get to the heart. 
where things well up from and she wants to bring it back to the head. Well, hang on, don't you say that you worship there and we worship here and wants to get it back into theology. You're never gonna think your way to a relationship with Jesus outside of your heart. Now those things are together, but He wants your heart. He's coming after her heart. And so, and then He says, I am the Messiah. Wow, what a impact it made on this woman. It says in verse 28, so the woman left her water jar, that's profound, and went away into the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. Three points today. Point number one, your past fuels your purpose. Your past fuels your purpose. It says in John 4, verse 39, it says, many Samaritans from that town believed in Him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. <laughs> Isn't that countercultural to what we see sometimes in church? Aren't we supposed to hide the stuff back there? and do good enough out here just to kind of appease for what's back there? And if we just do enough serving and giving and doing, then maybe, just maybe God will use me despite what's back there? Hmm. Many believe because of the woman's testimony, the past that shamed her, the shame that isolated her, that became her, now a story of redemption. The same story, the same facts, five failed marriages, a social outcast, all of a sudden with an encounter with Jesus, redeemed. Your past does not disqualify you. Your past is a bridge, not a barrier. What happened in your past, God will redeem and He will use to bring His glory through you. Jesus makes beautiful futures out of broken pasts. Can I get an amen? She had a real encounter with Jesus. We need a real encounter with Jesus. His perfect life, not yours. Your devotion, His perfection, you don't want to get that around the wrong way. His devotion, your devotion, His perfection, He did it for you on behalf of you so you don't have to be perfect. The woman received Jesus, then she poured out Jesus. Come on, we are called to give what we have received Will you pour out onto others what you have received? Point number two, your purpose is fulfilling and life-giving. It's so important that you know this, that Jesus was weary and hungry. Jesus sent His disciples to get Him food. But on their return with food, something happened. He said He didn't need it. <laughs> Hang on, you were hungry, man. You sent us to the town to get you some Maccas. Like, we got you a big Mac. Is it, would, you, would you rather a filet of fish I mean, what was what's the story here? <laughs> Jesus and 
Verse 34, he says this. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. My food, my food, what satisfies me? What satisfies me is fulfilling the very thing I was created for, the very nature of my design. By living in that place, it satisfies me. It fills me up. It gives me a sense of satisfaction. It tops me up when I'm being poured out for others. There is a transaction of satisfaction going on. Our call and our purpose is not an optional extra to our lives. It's the sustainer and life giver. It is food for our souls. There are, come on, there are too many starving, miserable Christians. Begrudging submission. I guess I have to go. I guess I better. I guess I should. I guess I ought to. No, we get to. Well, we get to. In response of everything that He's done for us, we get to. Isn't it incredible? Come on, you're called to be a river to the thirsty. And, 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 and when you are, it's so satisfying. There is nothing better than making a spiritual difference in the life of somebody else. When God steps into your world and says, I'm gonna pour out through you. And you see that and you go, hang on, how could you use me? I went through five divorces, fill in your blank. That was her story. Yet God turned a town upside down and revival broke out through this one lady. What could God do through your life when you say, you know what? I'm gonna give it over to you. Come on, what can you do with it? I'm here, use me. What could God do through your life and mine when we allow Him to pour through us? My food is through the will of Him who sent me and accomplished His work. My last point is this, your purpose is about others. Do you not say that there are yet four months, Jesus said to His disciples, You say there's four months until the harvest. And he says, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes. The harvest field is white for harvest. White for harvest. And just can you just picture this moment? So the disciples think they're just passing through, going somewhere, right? Jesus is hungry. He says, I'm staying here. You go get food and they're coming back with food and all of a sudden flocking out of the town they see Jesus talking to a woman all these sort of cultural type of things going on and they're standing there with sandwiches going what the heck's going on (laughs) it's a crazy scene here we are 12, 13 Jewish guys we shouldn't be talking to these people yet they're coming out to receive Jesus are flocking to the well to hear about the one who gives living water. They're coming to the one to hear how our thirst and our satisfaction can be quenched once and for all. And he's saying, you say that in four months' time's the harvest. I'm saying, look at all these people right now. They're coming. Lift your eyes off of the lift your eyes off the mundane journey of life. Lift your eyes off the fact that it's Monday and you're going to work. Lift your eyes off the fact that it's just another whatever. In the whatevers of life, in the going to get sandwiches, something can happen and revival can break out. If you would just be a river that God can flow through. Lift up your eyes. Come on. There is a harvest field around you. C3 Wellington, there's a harvest field around us here in the hut, in this city. God's called us to make a difference. What have we got to offer? Our story of redemption. The one who said, you know what? I was broken. I was a social outcast. What's your story? 
What's He redeemed you from? Wow, in the hands of Jesus, what, what can your story do? Come on, so there's a thirst that needs to rise up in us. A hunger and a thirst for Jesus. Look, lift up your eyes. Come on, devotion leads to direction. So many times we, we want Jesus to be like an information kiosk. Come on, we come close when we need direction. Which way to farmers? <laughs> Those information kiosks at the mall. <laughs> Come on, we're fixated on direction, aren't we? We need to be fixated on Jesus. Out of devotion will flow direction. Out of devotion will come the trajectory of your life. He's just saying, come to me. Fix your eyes upon me. Come to me and I will point your life. The cool thing about being a Christ following Jesus, isn't it awesome? We don't have, I don't have to care. When I'm not driving the car, as long as I think the driver's pretty good, <laughs> and I'm not playing, you know, backseat driver trying to hit the brakes, hit the brakes. I think Jesus is a pretty good driver. I think He's better a driver than you are. And I think maybe, just maybe if we let Him, where would He take you and where would He take me? We're called to follow Him. I love the just simple obedience of His disciples. Can you go and get me sandwiches? Yep, no sweat. <laughs> I love the fact that 12 of them went, you know. <laughs> well, we need Judas, he's got the money. And... Uh, Matthew knows how to spend it. We'll bring him. <laughs> they all went. <laughs> I just think it's awesome how Jesus said, that's how much he loves this woman. Maybe the conversation would have been different had there been Bartholomew hanging around us, one of them. <laughs> Maybe the conversation would have been different. But that's how much Jesus loved the Samaritan woman. He wanted to take her life broken, coming to the well in the afternoon, socially outcast, no hope, and switch it by an encounter with Him. I love that she dropped the pot. I don't need that anymore. I've found living water. I've found living water. I've found living water. Whoever believes in me, as the Scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Are you thirsty today?